0: you're going to have to work with me to uh, give a bit of a response. It was good to worship God earlier, though, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely incredible. Now, before I decide what I'm going to preach on, I just want to share um, just a little bit of um, uh, news with you that I've been meaning to do for weeks but just haven't been able to get round to because of how the meetings have been going. And now I cannot leave it any more Sundays. I've got to do it today. Otherwise, we're going to run out of time. First thing I just want to say is, um, Steve, um, who we brought into eldership a year ago, he finishes work um, with the government at the end of this month. So he's worked there for how many years? He's been working there for 15 years. His last overseas assignment was in Afghanistan in an armoured car. I think that was pretty much where he spent most of the week he was there. Um, He's finishing at the end of this month. He's then taking a mini sabbatical for a month, so the whole of March he'd be away. And then he's going to be back fully, fully fledged, fully involved, fully pumped, ready to go. He's going to be working for the church three days a week, running operations um, and doing a whole load of stuff like that, as well as overseeing community groups and doing a whole load of other stuff. So we're we're really excited about that. And we're so excited having um, all of Steve's experience and energy and wisdom coming behind all we're doing, joining the staff team. But I also believe we're going to experience it as a church as well um, ha- as he does that. The second thing I just wanted to let you know about is the fact that um, we've decided to give Santino a sabbatical. A stony silence <laughs> across the church there. So from mid-May to mid-August, um, it's just under 12 weeks, um, we're, gonna, we're giving Sant some space and freedom to uh, um, refresh himself in God, spend some great time with family, and also visit some other places and grow in God, knowing that He's an already incredible blessing to us. And I know you'd agree with that, but we know He's going to come back even more on fire, even more equipped, going to be an even greater blessing. And so that's going to be running from mid May right the way round to mid August. And uh, I just really, I wanted to share that news about San and Steve in order that you can pray, in order that you can stand with these mighty men in God and pray for them, that God will bless them and be with them um, as they have this time out. But also just pray for the church, because we're going to be slightly lighter on eldership as well. So is that all right? I know we value San, don't we? Yeah? Now, over the last few Sundays, this is the last thing, and then we're going to see what we're going to preach on. Over the last um, last few weeks, we've, 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 on occasion, even forgotten to take the offering. Oi, no clapping. However, however, in order to redress the balance, it's something that um, myself and the elders have been thinking and praying about. We've been planning for about 18 months. You'll notice on the table in front of you, along with your lovely welcome form, There's also a giving form. Now, that just provides an additional way that you can give to the church. I mean, up until this point, you've been able to give give by standing order or you could have given by check or you could have uh, given by cash. But actually, most of us pay by debit card, don't we? When we go into town, it's often debit card what we pay with. So we just want to provide an opportunity for you if you forget your checkbook or if you forget to bring cash, still to be generous. And so that's just in there. I'd encourage you, be generous. If you call this church home, but you're not giving regularly, you're not financially giving regularly to the church, consider getting involved in that um, opportunity to be a blessing to us as a church. Great. I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive in. Lord, we just thank you so much for your incredible goodness to us. I say, Lord God, I love to worship you. Just pray, Holy Spirit, for your presence to be very powerfully with us right now. We love to worship you, Lord God. Come and have your way among us, we pray, Lord God. Amen. This morning, um, I only preached the first part of my preach, and then I promised people that I would preach the second part of my preach this evening. So apologies if you've turned up for the second half of my preach, because you're going to get the first half of my preach again. But I feel it's the right way to go, and I feel it so ties up um, with where we were in the worship. We're in the middle at the moment of a preach series called Strengthening Yourself in God. The very first point that I preached right back at the beginning of January was about knowing the truth. I said it is so important that we know the truth if we're going to strengthen ourselves in God like David learned to do. And what I felt in my prep um, earlier on in the week was I wanted to give you a practical example of what it is to meditate on the Bible, to mull over the Bible, to get to the point where you know the truth. Because I know we can talk about it, but actually if you've never been with someone as they're spending time with God or if you've never been someone as they read the Bible, you might sort of wonder, well, what is it and how does it work? And so I'm going to take just two chapters from the Bible. One from Psalms, which David wrote himself, and this would have been, I believe, very foundational even as David strengthened himself in God. But I'm also going to take a chapter out of Romans as well, which, as it were, gives the height of the salvation that we enjoy. And so are you with me on that? We're just going to work our way through it, and I think it's going to draw us back to an opportunity to worship God again, break bread, and enjoy him. What I do with the last bit of strengthening yourself in God preach, I don't know yet, but we'll work that out on Tuesday when we come back to the office. So Psalm 139, the words are going to come up behind me, but forgive me, the whole evening might be just a little bit different, but just go with me um, on this. And I really do pray that God will bless you, that he will, uh, as it were, stretch your minds, he will fill your hearts, that this will be helpful to you. So Psalm 139. Verse 1. David just kicks it off. He says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. And as I do this, I'm going to preach it, I'm going to pray it, I'm going to worship to it, and I hope you just sort of uh, engage along the way. David starts, he says, oh Lord, oh Yahweh, oh the, 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 the King of kings and the Lord of lords who created all things. The, the one who parted the Red Sea, the one who gave the Ten Commandments, the one who sent the Ten Plagues on Egypt so that Israel could be released. Oh Lord, you're the one, you've searched me and you know me. This, this king of the universe, it says, who flung the stars into space. Oh Lord, you have searched me. You've searched me and know me. You, you know my personality. You, you know my character flaws. You know my <laughs> strengths and my... Weaknesses, the things I hide from everyone else. You've searched me and you know me intimately. God, you, you know me. David starts with this incredible revelation that the King of glory, the, the, there is only one God and he knows me, he knows you. Verse 5, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. This, This God who flung the stars into space... You, you hem me in, it's like you hedge me in, you, you surround me. It's as though I've got, I've got God's hand in the small of my back, just slowly nudging me forward. I've got his hand on my stomach, not allowing me to run out of his purposes. You, you hem me in, behind and before you go with me. That really difficult work situation, the creator of the universe, you go with me there. When I go into college and the exams I don't think I can get through, God, you go with me there. You've laid your hand upon me, not a hand of authority, not a hand of discipline, not a hand of anger, but a hand of love, a hand of affirmation, a hand of kindness. It's that hand saying, San, I'm here. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm there for you. This this God who flung the stars into space. You hem me in, oh God, this is, this is wonderful stuff to know. This warms my heart, it causes me to want to worship. For you form my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I've not just evolved out of a soup of chemicals and seen what has emerged, but, but you form my inward parts. You you knit everything together that is me, that is Paul. I am, just to clarify, if any of you are in any doubt, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And David says, I know that full well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made made. This isn't a fleeting um, encounter that David has with these truths. He has set up, set up camp with them. He's decided to live with these truths. He, he can say, no, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do, do, I, do I like everything about me? No, but God says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that? You've not just evolved, it's not just happened, you were lucky and you've turned up. You're created, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139, 14, wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. God's good at what he does, isn't he? Do you think God's good at what he does? You know, you look at a sunset, you think, wow, God just did that for fun because he's extravagant. You look at the Himalayas, you thought, I wonder how high I can make these mountains and still keep the earth spinning round. I wonder how deep I can make the ocean. I wonder what odd-shaped fish I can make that human beings aren't going to find for millennia and millennia and millennia. They won't even know they're there, but I've made them because it displays something of my creative glory. God is very good at what he does, and he made you. At the beginning, every time he made something over those six days, and he said, and it was very good. And he says it over you. Your eyes saw my saw your eyes saw my unformed substance. Before, before I was bigger than my thumbnail, in my mother's womb, God saw me. He knew me. He loved me. It's true for you. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. You're not an afterthought. You're not just here to make up the numbers. I don't know how it works because God is sovereign and I have got free choice, but somehow God has ordered your days. He, his sovereignty overarches everything else and he loves you. He's taken individual interest in your life, even down to ordering your days. How precious to me are your thoughts Oh, God, how vast is the sum of them. Oh, Lord God, your thoughts are precious to us. Oh, Lord, would would your thoughts, your purposes trump everything else? Lord God, would we seek after what you know and what you say more than anything Lord, would we give ourselves to you because your thoughts are precious. Oh God, how vast the sum of them. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He knew these things. All, all I've done really Over the last five, ten minutes, is just taken Psalm 139. And that would be a bit like my prayer time would be. I'm sort of talking to you, but I'd be praying it to God. I'd be worshipping him because he's wonderful. I'm allowing this truth to soak right down from here into my heart. And as I do it, I find my heart starts to get warmed. I feel actually I want to worship Jesus because he's so jolly good. Because of, because of what he says about me. I can't be indifferent. I can't, as sand so frequently says, just put up with a golf clap. God's not golf clapping over me. He's celebrating over me. He's, he's given the best of his creative juices in making you and me. So he says we're special. He says we're wonderfully made. We're fearfully made. How much more? how much more do I need to fill my mind and heart with what God says about me? How much more do I need to be thinking that about you? Not picking up all the mistakes Brian continuously makes and how he winds me up day after day, on he goes, on he goes. No, he's fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) He's fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of his creator. How often don't we get caught up But that's not God's story over me. It's not God's story over you. But you know what? David only had partial understanding. David didn't have the whole picture. You've got to move forward to the New Testament. You've got to move forward to Romans chapter 8. Now there is some incredible truth in there. That grab hold of that. And it will absolutely blow your socks off and transform your life. It really will. But a fleeting encounter with this truth will not do the job. You've got to camp with it. You've got to know it. You've got to know, allow the Holy Spirit to work it right down deep into your soul. But it will. It'll even get far enough so the sides of your mouth go up a little bit at the corners. You may even smile. You may do. And my prayer is, that as I'm doing this, it's a bit of an ex- practical example. But I'm also just, I'm hoping that God comes by the power of his spirit. I know, I know I can't do it on my own. I can give him the best shot with all the enthusiasm or whatever I've got. But in the end, oh, Holy Spirit, would you take this truth? Would you warm our hearts afresh with it? Oh, God, what a sad thing if I remain indifferent to something you've given so much to do. Do you know that if you're in Christ Jesus, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, do you know what it says about you? There is no condemnation over you. This This is glorious. Now, that's a bit of a technical word. It means there is no guilt over you. You will never be judged as guilty. You cannot be. You are Teflon to condemnation. It just does not stick. It cannot stick. You might have done the most horrendous, awful things, but if you have been hidden in Christ, if you have given your life to him and you are hidden in him, there is no condemnation for you. You may think there is, the devil may tell you there is, but there is not. There's no condemnation, none, not an ounce It's like you've been absolutely cleaned up like this amazing whiteboard where all of the mistakes you've made, all of the sin you've done has been totally rubbed off. And even if you try and write stuff on there now, it just doesn't show up. It doesn't Connect with the whiteboard it cannot do you are free you are free from guilt because you are hidden in Jesus Christ and his perfect life has been credited to your account that's true for every single one of you if you've given your life to Jesus Christ you haven't earned your way in you do not deserve to be there it is a free gift lavished on you because Jesus Christ has done this amazing work on the cross and he says it is for you it is incredible, wonderful truth. Do you know what? It can even on occasion make me jump up and down a bit. It is that good a news. It is that good news. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just a legal thing. It is a relational thing. If you scoot all the way down, and I'd encourage you in your own times, read Romans 8. And just ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand it better. But if you get down to verse 15, I mean, it shows it's not just a legal standing. It's not just a declaration that God makes over you, but it becomes a relational thing. This is absolutely awesome. It says, for you have received the Spirit. Wow. Sorry, that is a bit odd. (laughs) You've received the Spirit. Maybe I'm allowed odd, you know. You've received the Spirit. The third person of the Trinity is living in Nick Beanie. It's ridiculous. Isn't it? Think. The third person of the Trinity has decided to make his home in you. Absolutely daft. You are sharing your seat with God. That's what the Bible says. But you have received the spirit of. Oh, come on, come on now. You're going to work with me here. You have received the spirit of. Oh, dear. That second one wasn't much better than the first. We're going to go one more time and I'm going to get a bit more out of you this time. But you have received the spirit of? Doctor. Yes, I agree. You've been adopted. You've been adopted into his family. You, the God we come to, he's the creator He is the judge. He is the sustainer. All of those things are true. But if you are hidden in Christ Jesus, that is not how you relate to him. You come to him as your daddy. He is now your father and you have the spirit, the third person of the Trinity, living on the inside of you, working on the inside of you, and by him you cry, Daddy, I love you. So it's not just a a, a something that remains as head knowledge. It becomes experiential in your life. You're meant to feel the fact that you are a child of the living God. Something happens on the inside linking with you and you even cry out. It gets as far as coming out of your mouth. You say, oh, Daddy, how I love you. It is awesome. I am a child of the living God. This isn't just something. God just didn't create your innermost being. He brought you into a relationship with God you can run into his presence at any point you want and you will not be regr- re- you will not be rejected because he's your dad because of what Jesus has done for you I tell you it's really amazing go to verse thirty just to verse thirty this is this is Pretty cool as well. Do you know, you're not an afterthought. It's not that God decided last minute. I better include John Harris, you know. I was, lo- I was looking for this particular number. I didn't quite get enough. So, John, you came in last minute. I must admit, God even turned around and wondered, oh, you are, you're in. Oh. That's, that's, not, that's not how it worked. Now, again, there's some theological phrases in here. But this is awesome. Matthew Henry, a great Bible commentator, said this is like the golden chain of salvation. If you get the first link, if you're included in the first link, you're going to be included in the last. You never get just two or three links in the chain. You always get all four and those whom he predestined. That is pre-chose, pre-decided on. And Ephesians says it was before the foundation of the world that you were pre-decided to be part of his family. So if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that decision was made before the world was created. He knew you, he pre-decided for some reason, because you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that he was going to include you, in his wonderful salvation plan. And those he predestined, he also called. There was, there's a power in the call. It's as though the, God said, come and follow me. And as he spoke those words, something sprung into life. You were absolutely dead in your sin. You couldn't save yourself. But as he called you, Steve Bacon, something sprang into life inside of you that enabled you to respond. And in that moment, you were justified. Just as if I never sinned, you were declared righteous before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not just righteous in my sight. I look at you and think, yeah, you're not too bad. But righteous before the judge of the whole world that knows everything about you. He said, just as if you never sinned, Steve. Just as if you never, ever sinned. Every sin that comes to your mind. Every sin that comes to Maddie's mind, more likely. But I remember none of them. Just as if you'd never, ever sinned, you are justified. And then the awesome thing is then, what comes next? It's not sanctification, it's not growing in holiness. The next bit is, and those he glorified. That's talking about we are going to heaven. When, when, my, when I curl up my toes, my heart stops beating and I collapse over dead, I'm going to heaven. It's good. I think there might have been someone going. <laughs> Let's hope they know the good news. <laughs> it's this golden chain of salvation, pre-decided on before the foundation of the world, You being glorified isn't anything to do with your performance once you become a Christian. It's all to do with Jesus' performance and that is perfect. You will spend eternity with him in glory. This is good news. This is absolutely wonderful news. What then shall we say to these things? What on earth are we going to do with this glorious truth, this wonderful truth? If God is for me, if God is for you, Anita if god is for you malcolm who can be against you you know who of any account can stand against you guys if god is for you if he's already predestined you if he's already called you if he's already justified you and he said he's definitely going to glorify you, who can stand against you of who's of any account even worth taking a blind bit of notice of to be honest cuz The king of the universe has already lavished his grace on you. He's put his Holy Spirit in you as a down payment on everything that's to come. He's already said there is no condemnation, not on your performance but on Jesus Christ's. What on earth earth are we going to say in response to these amazing truths? If he didn't spare his own son but gave him up as a ransom for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? If, If he's already sent his son, for you and me, won't won't he graciously give us all things? This isn't talking about fancy cars or nice holidays, although he may decide to bless you with that. The graciously giving you all things is being satisfied in the person of Jesus Christ. Wholly satisfied in knowing and savouring and loving him. That's, That's what we give ourselves to. You can get a nice car, but you'll probably drive it into something or it'll rust, or it'll break down, or in a few years you'll be trading it in. You never do that to Jesus. The more you gaze at him, the more you love him. The more time you give to him, the more you find there is to know about him. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from God. No, it doesn't actually say that. actually says it will not separate you from his love. It's not that he won't just separate you from God. It won't separate you from his love. God is on a mission to lavish his love and affection on you. He wants you to know that love that surpasses understanding. That you would be filled to the full measure of God. If this truth is going to have lasting effect on your life, you need to pickle yourself in it. I want to encourage you to reread Psalm 139. Spend time in Romans 8. And once you've done that and you feel you've plumbed the depths of what it says, come and ask me and I'll give you some other chapters to read. Allow it to change you, allow it to change your outlook. What was it David said? How precious to me are your thoughts, oh God. How precious to me are your thoughts, oh God. I just want to ask you, as I invite the band back up, are his thoughts precious to you? Do you give yourself to them? Do you give yourself to him, to savouring him, to loving him, to knowing him, to allowing your thoughts to be shaped by his thoughts it takes time if as a community of people we're going to learn how to strengthen ourselves in God we need to know the truth and allow it to fill us and consume us why don't we stand I think what we're going to do is we're going to worship Jesus. I want to encourage you to give him your best as you always do. Maybe uh, Zoe could just have some of the words, some of those verses coming up behind. If there are are just verses that um, just stood out to you, truth that stood out to you as I was preaching just then, why don't you just thank God for his goodness and grace? Why don't we just raise our voices and thank him? for his incredible goodness to us. Just allow your soul to reconnect with God and to enjoy him. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Your father is a good, good father. It's who he is. And every day, he wants to lavish his favour upon you. He wants you to enjoy Him and what He has done.